Hello, everybody. Welcome to this class. Thank you so much for joining. This class is being learned as a special schos for Rafur Shalima, for Mushkarus Bas Beladaba Maka Dasa Bas Mushkarus, also for Esther Belabas Rufkienta, Chaim Mushishroba Maka, Ishav Rafur Shalima Bakarov. This class is also being learned as a special schos Eloy Nishmas, Yasak Nakam Amir Halevi, Chandabar Bas Asher Enzlik, Sil Ben Moshe, and Fegamala Bas David. As well as Aaron Mayor Ben Shalom Ezra, their neshama shehaven aliyah. Also, as a schus for Shira for Yitabasadina Chava. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. There's a story, famous story, an oldie but a goodie, that there's this. corner something a problem okay he looks at the guy in the corner he says drinks for everyone except for that man in the corner that jew over there and everyone's like oh okay and had you know the bartender gives out drinks he's like on me on me and he sees that the jew in the corner didn't flinch didn't bat an eyelash and that makes him even more angry and he's like oh my gosh like what like he's trying to annoy this guy he should get upset he should you know something nothing so he looks around, he goes, hors d'oeuvres, hors d'oeuvres, everyone hors d'oeuvres on me, everyone in the bar, except for that Jew over there. And he thought this time the Jew's going to get insulted, upset, walk out, approach him, something. He wanted to shake him some way, somehow. Nothing. Not even, not not only did he not shake him, but he actually the Jew in the corner started to give a little bit of a smirk. And this really got the guy angry. He's like, that's it, I'm done. He approaches the guy, he goes, what's up with you Jewish people? I don't get it. Like, I'm trying to, like, you know, I, I, I give everyone drinks on me or derbs on me. And the Jew looks at him and says, well, sir, I own this place. That's it. That's it. A smile. And obviously the guy felt like, oh, my gosh, like, what did I just do, right? I don't know if it's true, but I know it's a story. And it's a good story because it really shows. Like, I heard this one now, particularly I've heard it before, but I heard it recently, like yesterday, from Ami Agubi, Utsu Eitsa Visufar Dabu Davar Veloyakum Ki Imanukel. Hashem's ways with us with us at the end and we'll always be standing straight and tall at the end. Right now we're going through a hard time. This whole anti-Semitism thing, you know, we didn't really ever feel this way. We've never had the last time we've experienced something similar as a as a nation was the Yom Kippur War which was 50 years ago. You know, I wasn't alive then. I heard about it. We've heard about the anti-Semitism that, you know, wrecked Germany and Europe, what it did and what happened. We know, and we read about it, and we know, and it's our family members, and it hurts us. But never did we ever experience something on such a level, on such a catastrophic level, like we've experienced on Simchas Torah. And it just, you know, I remember when I was in, I, I think... I was already after high school. I was listening to Rebetzin Esther Youngbrice, and I remember her saying, turn the pages, turn the pages, and you'll find it. And I remember thinking, you know, there are a lot of pages in the Torah. So if I have an issue, if I have a question or a problem, there are a lot of pages. How am I going to find 
So obviously the answer to that question is you call a mentor, a teacher, a Rav, a Rebbitzin, someone who knows the Torah better than you, and I'm sure they'll be able to find where you should look, and then you'll be able to find the answer to your problem. But then I realized, I'm like, oh my goodness, like we ended off last week with this whole, I, the question of Simcha's Torah, really, out of all Yom Tovim, and the answer that Rabbi Joey Haber replied was, yeah, because Hashem is showing us what we need to do. We need to take the Torah and cling on to it for dear life. So that's why, of course, it had to happen on Simcha's Torah, because Hashem had to show us what we should do. You know, now that such a thing happened, now that we experienced such a thing, what we should do. And now, and then Parshish Barishas, right? Barishas for Elohim, Hashem created the world with a certain amount of din. And obviously, this is the din that Hashem is carrying out. And we don't know, we don't understand, but we know that there is Rachamim. And like everything is kind, I really feel that Hashem is holding our hand. And now we come to this place, you know, so that was... Thursday, and then we've experienced Friday with this like fear. There was a lot of fear last Friday. All those police, all those, you know, the high security that was all over the whole Flatbush Bar Hashem for it. But still, it, there was a certain sense of fear, a certain sense of, of like, are we safe here? A feeling that I've never felt before. And I feel that Hashem is really holding our hand because now we come to Pasha's Noah and we're going to talk about Noah. And I heard this from a little bit of what I'm going to say is from Rabbi Joey Haber. A little bit of what I'm going to say is from Mrs. Ami Yagubi. And we're going to bring it all together. And Hashem is really showing us in this week's Pasha, what, what should we do when it comes to anti-Semitism? How should we be? What is the Torah's take on anti-Semitism? How should, how, what does it instruct us to do with all this? How should we feel? How should we act? And really, it's really holding our hand. Now, when it comes to anti-Semitism, there are really two kinds of ways that people, um, the, as far as response. So what is the Torah's response to anti-Semitism? Some say to be quiet, like don't say anything, which sometimes can look weak. And then some say to speak up. But many times when we'll have the, these rallies, it only causes the the other team, should I say, or the other side to make even a louder noise. And it doesn't really help. You know, like Rabbi Haber was saying, you know, you never even have a, a professor who goes on and on and on and starts to talk about whatever his side is. And then you have a student who kind of raises his hand and, you know, brings out all the points why they should really see nothing really changes. Nothing really go gets anywhere. The professor just gets annoyed and shuts down the conversation. It doesn't really help. So what should we do? What's the right response? Should we speak up? Should we remain quiet? So in this godless way of Parshas Noach, here we are, we learn from this week's Parsha because Hashem describes Noach and it says that Noach was a simple man. Hashem says, Elohim Noach. Hashem led Noach, which means that, that Rashi says that Hashem literally took him by the hand and led him. He was more of a follower. There are two kinds of leaders. There are these leaders that are leaders like Let's go, let's do this, like Avram Avinu, right? We'll talk more about Avram next week, Hashem. but I'm saying Avram Avinu was like, let's go, let's do this, there's Hashem, stop worshiping, worshiping idols, we're going to break, you know, he went into his father's story, he broke everyone, and he was like, he brought it all in together, he was that kind of of leader, right? You have Moshe Rabinu, who was like, like, come on, like, right? What did those two leaders have in common as far as their leadership quality? They were very confident. They felt very proud and very strong in what they believed in, and nothing was going to stand in their way. We all know that the Torah describes Noah. Noah is um, tzaddik, 
some we know there's so many different types of ways to describe, but the famous is that he was a tzaddik in his generation. But if he would have been compared to Avram Avinu, he would have just been a pasha to yid. First of all, I like when I like both either way because being that he was a pasha to yid, and Hashem chose to save him and his family. Obviously, we know the whole you know the fame that he had. Um, that you know, um, he was Matzachim in Avasham, but the fact that he was maybe a Pashat Yid and Hashem saved him, it's like, okay, so we don't have to worry because, like, I can just be a Pashat person, just try my best and do the right thing, and you know, we'll be saved. So that kind of gave me a certain sense of, like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna do what I'm, you know, should be doing, try my best, and uh, we don't have to feel this like pressure to be like, you know, like that crazy, crazy high level of like feeling that feeling of being Zoha to be saved. I happen to like that, but more than that. That really what Noah lacked was the confidence that Avram Avinu had. That's really the comparison. Noah was more, he, he was a Baal Tachon. The Ben Ishchai actually says, brings it down that he was a Baal Tachon. And what we learn, which is, I love this, the word Bitachon, if you take the letters, you find Tov and Chain. Tov and Chain, those letters write out Bitachon. And we learn that someone who has Chain, has Tov. Tov follows. Tov follows someone who has Chain. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for having Chain. Noah was a Manoah. He was a calm person. And he had a lot of Chain. People like to be around people with Chain. And they like to be around people who are calm. So Noah definitely had that. And that was beautiful and wonderful. But he didn't, he wasn't a leader. He wasn't confident in his mission. He believed what Hashem was going to do. He was hoping to the last minute that maybe Hashem will change and it wouldn't happen. He had positive thoughts, which we might get to at the end a little bit later on, but that idea. But so it starts off, he's a simple man and he doesn't have that leadership, that strong leadership quality. You know, I was like telling the girls, you know, if you imagine like you're in a, you're in your bungalow, okay? And it's leaking in your bungalow and it's raining and it's cold and you're wondering why am I even here? Why should I just go to my house where there's no, right? Not everyone has leaks, but some people do. It's part of the experience. It's all good. In any event, then you, all of a sudden you have that one person who says, no, we're going to have a good time, everyone. Get your kids in bathing suits. Let's go outside. And we're going to jump in the muddy puddles and have the best time ever. All of a sudden you have that leader with that positive attitude and all of a sudden it changes the whole you just feel good. You're just like in a good place. All of a sudden, it doesn't bother you so much that it's leaking and that it's raining and that it's freezing, right? All you need is that leader. So we were kind of missing that here when it came to Noah. So it also continues to say that Hashem had to instruct Noah over and over to take two animals that are not kosher, seven animals that are kosher. So the second question is, why is Hashem so repetitive? And then there's a third question that it, um, the animals... It, it's brought down that the animals came to Noah. Noah didn't go out to get them, that they came. Ba'u alateva, the animals came to Noah. And the fourth, so wh- why did the animals have to come to him? And the fourth is, Vayiskar Hashem be'ado, Hashem protect, protects Noah as he goes into the teva, actual teva. Why did Hashem need to protect him? Like what's like, you know, so those are the four questions. And the, the Zohar actually talks about a conversation that Noah had with Hashem after the mob was over. Well, we know from last year, I'll just bring it in real quick, just a good reminder that when Noah went into the Teva, it was like, he was like saying goodbye to Avenue M, Avenue J, right? His whole town, the shuls, the schools, whatever he was used to, everything that was, you know, it was, it was real. It was real. And when he left the Teva, it was complete destruction. And he got very upset and very, 
you know, un- understandably so. His entire world was completely destroyed for real. And it says, what does he do? He went, he built a vineyard. He built grapes to make wine. And we learned from here that he wanted to numb himself from his pain. And it's something that us as human beings that we are, it's something that we also tend to do. So, you know, if you have a bad day, it's not uncommon to like sit down in your kitchen, like pull up a chair and open the refrigerator and like just go for the chocolate cake. That is something that I think people do understand does give you that feel good feeling for a second. But really, it's not because really, right, shortly after, it'll be like, why to eat the whole cake and your stomach will hurt and you'll feel nauseous probably. So it's really not a good idea. But we learned from this, the fact that Noah did that, that if something we're having a bad day and things aren't going right, we shouldn't run for that, like to numb ourselves to the physical. We should do something spiritual. That's really where he went wrong. So what should we do if we're having a bad day? We should open it to Hillem. I know it sounds like open it to him. Yes, open the Tehillim. Say a parak of Tehillim, then eat the cake. <laughs> a little bit, you know, good chocolate cake does a long, does a, you know, it, it, I like chocolate cake. Anyway, who doesn't, right? Whatever it is. But um, the chocolate bars, chocolate cake, whatever, you know, works for you. But do something spiritual when we're feeling a little bit down. So just something to note. I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but being that we're in this time, like there's sometimes like this feeling of like, oh my gosh, what's going to be? Just Open to tell him, I like Perak Chav personally. It's not so long. And it ha- actually, the, the Lashon in the Perak, it's like, Yan Hashem, Biyom Tzara, like answer Hashem. And during this hard time, you know, and Elav Recha, the Elav Asusim. And I get so excited because I'm like thinking, yes, they're on the battlefield and they're Hamas is fighting with who knows what. But we, and we're also, our army is pretty awesome, very awesome. But we are fighting with the Iron Dome, with the real Iron Dome, with Hashem. You know, Hashem, And I really feel that it really connects me when I say that Perak. So I recommend that if it, you know if someone just you know wants an idea of which one to say there is a whole Tehillimorth of Prakim so everyone could choose whatever works for them but in any event so back to the four questions why did why is it negative that Noah had to be led by Hashem why is Hashem so repetitive why did the animals have to come on their own and why does Hashem need to be protecting him and the overall answer is that Noah really lacked the confidence that all the other leaders had. And that's why Hashem was a little worried that if he wouldn't bring the animals to him, he wouldn't go out and get the animals. He was worried that if he didn't protect him, he wouldn't actually end up getting on the teva because he didn't hold himself, hold himself high. And that's the answer that Rabbi Haber brings down. That's what we're supposed to do when it comes to anti-Semitism. We're supposed to look within. Our response is to look within and it's our own mindset. That's what we need to work on. Not hiding under a table or not getting out of bed or not walking down the street because it's so scary. No, no, no. None of that. To stand proud and strong with who we are and what we're doing. That is the answer. To feel confident. What's confidence? A few examples. Confidence of, of our nation is that the Hatzalah members who are here booked the flight and are now in Eretz Yisrael taking over the Hatzalah who ha- they're short on Hatzalah staff because a lot of Hatzalah staff are helping out in Gaza and doing, you know, other things, you know, of, of you know, working with what happened over Yantif and whatever it is. So there are American Hatzalah members from who actually took a flight out just last week. I know someone personally who's in Israel now. That's confidence, not running away like everyone else who was in the country, right? Again, I'm not blaming you. I would also probably, I would also want to get out. You know, we live here. We'd want to get home. It makes sense. That's how you fight anti-Semitism. Or there was an example of a uh, woman. She 
was in college. She is in college and she, I guess she wasn't really religious, so she wore pants and she decided from now on she's wearing skirts no matter what. She's wearing skirts, she's a Yehudi, she's a Jew and she wants to wear it proudly. That's showing that you're confident. So that's really the, the, what, what we need, what we need now as a group, as a cloud, what we need to do, we need to really have that confidence and feel the confidence. And that's going to hold the Chayalim in Eretz Yisrael. That's going to hold our spirits up because right now, yes, Mayor Eric Adams gave an amazing speech and I felt proud, you know, proud to be an American. And it was like, okay, wow, he's finally seeing it. But we know that could change in a minute, right? All of a sudden the politicians are going to, you know, perhaps say, okay, they fought enough. They should calm down, right? We know how that happens. We can't trust that. We can't rely on that. So we need to build within ourselves with, with our own strength. And it's brought down in, um, Parshas Bashalak. Remember, remember Parshas Bashalak when Bnei Israel were fighting Amalek and Moshe's hands were up. And when his hands were up, Bnei Israel were winning. And when they were down, they were losing. And who had to hold, who held his hands up? Aaron and Hor. Right, they held, each held his hand up. Rav Shamshim Rafal Hirsch says, "Why did he need two two people to hold his hands up? Why not put two rocks under his arms and then that'll hold his hands up?" And the answer is, is that because because the people holding their hands up represented the strength and represented the "We believe in you" and we're in this with you, we're fighting with you, and it really, really helped. It really helped Moshe. Hold like put be put himself in that mindset, and it says Vayaya Dav Emuna. His hands displayed Emuna, and Aaron and Hur were the two people that were helping him, and they were in it with him. So us being in it with them, with with now you know the Chayalim, with now the whole Matzim and Eretz Yisrael, we're kind of holding up a Chayal's arm one by one by us being confident and being strong. And what's our job? I keep saying like, what should we do? So. The obvious, right? Chesed, tzedakah, changing the way we act, the way we dress, the way we speak, tefillos, all different things, baking challahs. These are all things of act. We're all getting together, our community as a whole. And we we are, and we're doing, I, I feel that we're doing a lot and we're doing the best we can. And I'm just really here to say, like, keep it up. It's amazing. And don't fall into the despair of like, oh my gosh, what's going to be, what's going to be? It's very easy. Let's feel proud and strong that we are this nation. We're the chosen nation. Hashem's going to protect us no matter what. But it's very hard. It's very hard because right now we're in darkness. And Mrs. Ami Agubi gave a very good mushroom. You know, a people, when there's a, a door, right? Some doors have these peepholes. So if you look through it, it's clear, right? But what happens if all of a sudden you look through it and it's black? It's dark. What does that mean? That means someone's standing there. And when someone, and that's really what Hashem is trying to say. Right now it's dark. When we look out, it's dark. But that means that Hashem is standing there. And in one minute, you know what happens after the darkest darkness comes the brightest light. And I just um, wanted to kind of, discuss one more concept the idea so great we know what you know perspective we should have and how we should feel we should feel confident during you know while we're living through this time you know and hold that yiddish kite high and proud right and do oh right no one more thing i'm sorry um just to bring this point home what happens when you feel good about something when you feel like someone has your back it goes a very very long way what do i mean so Rabbi behavior is saying the story that someone came over to him and said that his uncle 
was a Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim in the 1930s. And the Chavetz Chaim gave him a bracha that he's going to live a very, very long life. And now this man went through the Holocaust shortly after Auschwitz, and he came out healthy, strong, and lived to be 103. And someone asked him, like, while you were in Auschwitz, like, how did you survive? Like, how did you go through it? He said, what are you talking about? He said, I had the Chavetz Chaim's blessing behind me. I knew nothing was going to happen to me. So when we have a positive mindset, that's really a very important thing to have. And it really can, it really can help a lot of us all around, all around. Many, many years ago, I remember, I, I guess it must have been Parshas Noah around the time, because why would I be thinking about the marble? But I remember, I don't know if I had like one or two kids at the time. I remember asked, telling my husband like this idea, like, you know, I know Hashem promised he's never going to bring a marble again. And I know we live in crazy times. But I'm just like saying, like between you and me, I'm just saying, I remember having this conversation. If we were in the time of Noah, we totally would have gotten on the table, no? Like, I remember telling him, like, if Hashem would decide to bring a marble now, we'd have the option of getting on the table. We would totally get on, no? Like, we have not, like, not that we have anything to worry about anyway, but even if we did, we wouldn't even have to work. Because, like, I could so, I'd be packing, I could see myself wheeling the wheelies, pulling them up the ramp. Like, right? And really, I wanted him to just stay back, right? <laughs> right, right? We always say, like, we want our husbands to answer what we say in their voice and tone, right? And he didn't say right. What he said was actually so profound and so deep and so true. He looked at me and he said, what makes you think Hashem's not providing tevas right now for us to get into? Are we getting on to them? And I was like, what? It's like, what makes you like, yeah, we live in a crazy world. We do. And imagine like almost 20 years ago, that's what I was, I thought the world was crazy then, right? Imagine now. And he said again, he said, I think again, he said, who's to say that Hashem's not creating ways for us to get into the Teva? Are we taking advantage and getting into them? And I was like, oh, wow. Wow. I didn't think of that. And it got me thinking. And now, when I was here, Ms. Amiyagubi, she was saying, you know, the word teva means a boat, like a, a, a basket. It also means a word. So if we want to get onto the teva, we need to get onto tefillah, our words, our davening. And I know it's something that we're hearing over and over and to daven and to say tehillah, but I feel like this is really what we have to offer. And it goes, it, it is so strong. And it's actually something I learned about Shemona Eswe that I was blown away by really, really blown away by, and I will end with this. There was a story, it's in the Gemara, Kedushin, I believe, I think, and it was basically about this um, man, his name was Rav Acha, and Rav Acha had a son, Rav Yaakov, and Rav Acha got his son into the yeshiva, the base medrash of Abaya, and anyone whose husband does that, Yomi, they know Rav Abaya and Rava are like the two like fathers of Gemara, like I hear, you know, those are the two names, right? We hear them all the time. So this Rav Acha got his son a, a seat in the base measures of Abaya, and he was so excited. And turns out it wasn't really a good fit for the son. The son wasn't really doing, you know, well, I guess. And Rav Acha decided that they're going to switch places. They did a little bit, you know, um, Zavulan, Yusachar Zavulan kind of thing. The father said, you'll go to the work at home and I'll go and learn. And this way we'll have like a little, you know, I'll get the scarf for the learning for you and you'll, okay, great deal. Word got out that this Reb Yaakov's father, Reb Acha, was coming to the base medrash. And Abaya approached everyone in the base medrash and he told them, Reb Acha's coming. I don't want anyone to offer him a place to sleep. 
tonight. We need him to be in the base medrash over the entire night. And I was like, why, why? So it turns out that there was a mazik, some sort of evil spirit that was in the base medrash that they couldn't get rid of. For some reason, they couldn't get rid of it. And Abaya knew that Rav Acha had the power to get rid of this mazik, and he needed him to be in the base medrash alone for the for one entire night. So that's what happened. Rav Acha comes. No one invites him to their house. And he's wondering why, but he's like, okay, everyone leaves the base medrash, Rav Acha settles down, and all of a sudden he's confronted by this mazik. Doesn't really go into details exactly what he did, but it does say that the mazik had seven heads, and it does say that Rav, Rav Acha bowed seven times, and every time he bowed, another head of the mazik got um, cut off, and until the seventh bow, all the heads came off and he defeated the Mazik. In the morning, Rav Acha approaches Rav Abai and says, how could you do this to me? And Rav Abai says, I know, but I knew that you would be able to save us. And now you saved us. Thank you so much. And the story continues. But the point is, what was the seven times that he bowed? And I love this. It was that he was davening Shmona Esrei. And he bowed seven times because we bow seven times by when we say Shmona Esrei, right? Four times during the actual tefillah. And then at the end, we back up. That's three more times. That's seven times. We, I never knew that there is such power when we bow by Shmona Esrei. We don't know what we're destroying, what things we're destroying, what kind of bracha we're bringing upon ourselves. We don't even know. Like, I would always think, like, wow, I'm so good. Like, Baruch Hashem, I was able to have mincha today. Well, not today, but I'm saying other days. But I'm saying, I feel it's like, no, 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 I'm not doing Hashem a favor. I'm doing myself a favor when I dive in Shmona Esrei. I feel like I have this whole new understanding of Shmona Esrei, and it's getting onto that tefillah. It's getting onto the teva. If I want to get onto the teva, right, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I, I, I told my husband all those years ago, we get on the teva. Let's get on the teva. So let's get... So... Having said all this, I just want to review. Let's try our best to be confident, to be strong, to feel proud, to feel safe, to have bitachon, to have tochen, and then tov will follow. Let's remember to try to do things to instill that confidence, to help our brothers be fighting in the war from the goodness and the chesed that we're doing here. Let's remember the power of tefillah, the power of bowing, the power of getting on the teva. With Hashem's help, Hashem should be Mashiach very, very soon. And we should all, every single one of us, rejoice in the coming of Mashiach, healthy and happy with all our loved ones and the entire Chai Yisrael, all the Chayalim and the Chayalos. Hashem should watch over them. Specifically, David ben Techia, that's a Chayal that I'm davening for. Whoever's davening for a soldier, Hashem should just watch over everyone and really, really take us home, bring us home. Bekarov. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you. Good job.